and welcome to today's episode. This is a very special episode that Beata and I uh, are bringing to you and it's a conversation with two traumatic brain injury survivors from our community, uh, Jackie and Brooke. Uh, Jackie is from the US and Brooke is from the UK. Uh, They both uh, were in uh, car accidents, Um, so they have a traumatic brain injury and they're going to tell us their story about uh, what happened and how their journey has been so far. Stay tuned to listen to their stories. Thank you so much for joining us, Jackie. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, uh, We were very much, uh, like, not shocked, but... uh, we thought, wow, you were an outpatient ther- a therapist, right? Like a yes, oh, occupational therapist. I'm an occupational therapist yeah. in an inpatient rehabilitation setting. So that I- must have been mind freaking blowing. I mean, I can't even comprehend that. That is still the strangest like idea. Yeah. So the whole thing, when I look back on it, obviously, as the years go by, like my memory of it gets a little bit funnier because obviously I have short-term and a little bit of long-term deficits from everything but -hmm. when it all happened do you think like as an occupational therapist as a healthcare worker as somebody who has my bachelor and my master's degree in a health-related profession I would have had more awareness of what was actually going on and what I needed to do But I was very much stuck in the, or what I remember is being like, oh, it's just a concussion. Like, I'll just sleep it off. Like, it'll be fine. And then once things started happening, I was like, oh, God, why didn't I not think that I hit my head? Like, why didn't I think that I could have a brain injury? Why didn't I push for X, Y, Z? So it's very crazy that even though I have all the knowledge and the background about mm. head injuries I didn't even think it could happen to myself mm, yes how long did it take you or like how I almost want to say like how long were you in denial of what really happened like how, how long did it take you to realize you know I, you actually had a you like you had a brain injury well the so my accident happened on a Saturday mm. and I don't remember a lot of those days after I barely have any memory of the those couple of days and mm. apparently I texted and my manager still to this day make fun of me I texted them and I was like I was in a really bad accident I don't know if I'll be at work on Monday and I oh sent them a picture oh. of my car and they're like you're not coming to work are you crazy? You're taking the week off. And then I went to, and I have no recollection of being in the ER. I have no recollection of going to see my primary doctor on that Monday. Um, and they just, uh, what they said is, you know, take the week off, sleep, you know, the whole concussion protocol, sleep, wake up every hour or whatever it is, you know, look at your pupils, blah, blah, blah. So I just remember doing all that and my parents tell me that I was pushing to get a car because I wanted a car again because I didn't have a car. How was I going to get to work? How was I going to do my In that week after the, the, the accident? Yes. And I have no remember. I don't remember put, asking them about this at all. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to kind of get oh, things started again, which is how they described it. Like I just wanted to go and do things and 
just live my life. And like I said, no recollection. I think that um, that part shocks me even more because it's so similar to my experience because I also don't remember anything. And I also know my husband told me that I was in the ER telling people, I have to go tomorrow morning. I have a meeting. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really I crazy. Why, why we do that? I, I don't remember. Like people tell me things and I'm like, I was saying that. Yeah. Um, but I think the first one I really realized, and this is kind of what I remember the most vividly, is getting to work my first day back. And, you know, I have eight patients a day and we have treatment sessions. And I couldn't remember their names. I really couldn't remember their diagnoses. And I was just like, I, I remember I remember going to my manager and being like, something's wrong mm. something very very wrong I was and I had so much fatigue by lunch and my head started to hurt and and that's when my thank god I work in healthcare. Um, mm. my manager called a, one of the other doctors in the building and was like you need to, can you come check her out something's wrong Mm. so they mm-hmm. checked so my one of the doctors that I worked with checked me out and was like you should go not you should you need to go to concussion clinic which is at one of our other hospitals so mm-hmm. they called the doctor at the concussion clinic they said we have an employee here she needs to come see you my parents came and picked me up because I couldn't drive at that point they drove me to the concussion clinic and he was like you you probably have a brain injury they were doing all these tests and I couldn't you know recall x amount of words that begin with a certain letter and I was like what do you mean a brain injury and then he's like you're gonna be out of work he's like you're out of work indefinitely at this point oh wow and that's when it was like oh crap. like wh- what and and that that's like my first very vivid memory of being with my parents and I'm saying like you're you're not going back to work right now mm-hmm. and you were 25 so basically at that time or you were what you said? you were 25 at that time or yeah I was 25 mm-hmm. oh, and that was about seven to ten days after the accident you yeah, know that yeah, you were back at work it was probably a little over a week yeah at that, that point. is beyond that is absolutely bonkers to think I mean I I didn't suffer any memory loss of what happened although I was only unconscious for a few hours the day um well actually I would say I had my stroke in the morning a Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and I was probably unconscious from the point when it happened Um, I probably woke up like once or twice throughout the day realized I was in hospital but I didn't do much I was just asleep and then you know from the second day I started waking up more and more but it's crazy to think that you can't even remember that first week and even even in that first week you were so determined to just go you know um, I want to say go back to work and like be normal and saying like, you know I'll, I'll be there on Monday and everything it's yeah I think what's scarier to me obviously I don't remember is after Mm. the so that I was with my two friends driving and less to lessen the details somebody ran a stop sign and hit 
my car and I was the driver. Um, and I must have hit my head and knocked myself out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Well, not for whatever reason, but I knocked myself out. <laughs> and he flipped my car over. But like I said, no memory. But they were telling me and then everybody around because like it was in, in our town. So like neighbors were coming out and people that we knew and our parents were there. I was fine. I got myself out of the car, the flipped over Jeep. I got my friends out of the car. I was calm. I wasn't crying. I was like, okay, my stuff's in the glove compartment. Can you get this out? And no one took me to the hospital because they thought I was that good in the moment. Mm. And we went back to my friend's house with my parents and my other friend's parents and my dad said that all of a sudden he just kind of saw the light go out of my eyes and he said you know we're gonna take her home and Mm. then we got to my house and I laid myself on the living room floor and like I said I have no memory this is purely but why they what they tell me I laid myself in the living room floor and I was like you can call 911 now that is so 911 came and they're like what's going on and my dad's like that rollover that happened a couple hours ago Mm. this was the driver and they rushed me to the ER did they then do an MRI on you to actually have a look at your brain no that, that was a whole I didn't have an MRI for months after and that is just because of it was an auto accident and it was all these insurance things mm. that had to go on. Um, but I had a CAT scan in the hospital, but I didn't have an MRI of my brain and neck until a couple months after. But it was just all based off symptoms that I had to have had a mild TBI. Oh, wow. It was Gosh. more than just a concussion. And the friends in the car, were they also they were- injured? Um, my friend that was in the back seat was fine, and my friend that was in the front seat, she hurt her thumb because she braced herself. Oh, wow. And she had a mild concussion as well, just from impact, but I mm. had more or less, quote-unquote, the worst of it. <laughs> um, yes. Because I definitely knocked myself out, and I have the, the mild brain injury, and then I have... Um, herniated discs in my neck from the accident but Jackie then okay so now you back at work you realize that you're not okay you speak to your manager and what happened then what was the I mean what yo did you start rehab did they did you take a couple months off from work so they I went to the concussion clinic which was within our so where I work is an inpatient rehab hospital and mm-hmm. we have three hospitals, like, within the area. Um, so I went, had to go to one of the other hospitals and go to concussion clinic. And that's when he told me, like, I'm out of work. And he's like, all right, these are the first steps we're going to take and see what happens. And the first step I took was physical therapy and um, vestibular therapy because I was getting dizzy. And he's like, let's start with this and see how it goes. And then you're coming to me for clinic. Like, 
I think at that I see this is what I can't remember. I think at that point it was probably like two times or once a month he wanted to see me in concussion clinic. Mm. So I was going to therapy on my leave and then he's like, okay, you can go back to work light duty. So I'm working, I'm going to physical therapy and vestibular therapy all at the same time. And it's just so much work, but like, thank God I work in a building where I can go to outpatient and then go to work. Mm -hmm. So I don't under, I didn't know like how other people can manage this. Like, how can you work and go to therapy? But then it just like took like 18 different turns after that because they added vision therapy after that. And then I was going to physical therapy, vestibular therapy, and vision therapy, and then concussion clinic. And then from concussion clinic, he's like, oh, you need to go to cognitive therapy. So then I was doing vestibular therapy, vision therapy, physical therapy, cognitive therapy. And those were obviously taking a lot of your energy already, if not all of it. Yeah. Like, looking back at it, I didn't really, like... I'm so happy that I remember in the moment being so miserable and being like, I'm, I'm just putting all of my effort towards this. And like, I was 25. I just was, you know, a little over a year into working after graduating with my master's. And I had so many other plans. Like, you know, when you're 25, you want to move out. Yeah, of get a find a boyfriend and get married and do xyz and travel and like I couldn't do any of that like it wasn't even in my forefront at that point because I was in the moment I was like I have no energy to do anything other than get better yeah and that was for a, a yeah. couple years probably like two three years of just work and whatever therapy appointment I had work whatever therapy appointment I had and, you know, I was, I, at this point, people are like, oh, you're 32 and you missed out on whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't miss out. I'm happy with where I am after what I went through. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad that I was able to overcome so many obstacles. It did take so long to figure out, like, the bits and of pieces of what I really mm-hmm. needed. Um, but that's like the whole point of therapy. And as a therapist, you understand like not everything is cookie cutter. So I know that for my patients. And as a therapist going to therapy and going to see all these specialists and all these different types of doctors and all these therapies, and I was like, I need somebody to figure out the perfect dose. Like what is going to be perfect for me in order to get mm. me better? And that just took, that took more energy and time than I ever anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie, um, I'm trying to like, just imagine your life at that point. And I can't even almost understand like, how were you able to be an occupational therapist to patients while you were receiving you know, so much therapy. I mean, even your sessions with your patients must have been very difficult, right? So it, it wasn't as difficult because I, 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 I'm an OT. So I learned how to compensate. So like physically, mm. like I'm able to treat, I was able to, they deemed me safe to treat my patients. So I was mm. able to treat my patients. And yes, sometimes I'll be like, oh, what's your home set up again? Like, can you remind me? Mm, but I had mm, so mm. many strategies where I would, like, write, everything, write things, like, write down, things yeah. down and 
just to keep it like Sounds in my familiar. visual forefront. But I was also putting so much of my energy into work that mm. after work and after my therapies were done, I was done. Yeah. Like I so had no so energy. gas mm. left in the tank. And that's when I would get a migraine, which yes, the cognitive was a huge part of it, but the the migraines and the pain that I was in, that was so detrimental to my life. It's not I sometimes thinking about it, I'm just like, how did I do that? I just would cause mm. myself such pain. Yeah. And and because how how are is the situation now? You are still working, I guess, and, and how I still so I got discharged from all of my therapies, knock on wood, thank God. Um so I did, so in the long run, mm. this is just to list it. So I did physical therapy, vestibular therapy, vision therapy, concussion clinic, which I still go to concussion clinic, but it's a different form. Mm. Then I did cognitive rehab. Then I did psychotherapy. Mm. And then I was taking these cognitive tests and assessments like every six months Then for my pain and my neck, they were doing electrical stimulation. They tried dry needling. I tried injections, um, like trigger point injections. And then I tried Botox for migraines. And once I started the Botox, that's when I felt like the biggest difference. Oh, wow. Um, So I've been doing Botox for four-ish years at this point. And it's for pain fun. relief for migraine and pain migraine. Relief. Yes. So they, they do the injections on just one half of my face and my head and my neck. And they follow a pattern that, um, is supposed to really, re, you know, relax the muscles so they don't trigger a migraine. So I get what they call cluster migraine or cluster headache where the my eye is what actually causes the you know the, the migraine to happen, start the, the migraine yeah. to start so they it's like literally imagine the corner of your eye and just like pressure in it cuz th- so that's what a cluster headache is and that would just would cause the pain everywhere else on top of the pain that I was having in my neck from the herniated discs so once I, the boat, once the Botox started to kick in, which is something he told me, he's like, we have to try all these other things before we get to Botox. And he's like, once you start Botox, it's not going to be immediate. He's like, it's, this is going to take time. So I had to do Botox injections, or I still do Botox injections every three months. And it wasn't until I was well into the first year of it. I was like, wow, like this is relief. Like this is amazing this I feel so much better and I wasn't getting headaches every day and then the headaches start to spread out every you know couple days and then it was every couple weeks and then it was once a month and I actually have gone a couple months now without a headache except for getting one the other day which I think was more weather induced than migraine induced Mm. but it's it's wild that I had to try so many different things before getting some sort of relief. Like, and you have to find what works mm-hmm. for you. And I tried mm-hmm. so many things and mm-hmm. so many things weren't working. And this is something that 
my doctor and I said, he told me like, you have to dedicate, like, this is a dedication. This is not a one time thing that's going to make everything better. Like, this is something we need to do every couple months. And I was like, I'll try it. I have to at this point. Um, and I was so happy that it worked and it helped. And so it's kind of like, I, it worked for me, but it might not work Mm -hmm. for somebody else, but it's worth a try to see Mm -hmm. if it does it. Yes, that is exactly true. I mean, and I think also that is probably the reason why it takes so long for each individual to figure out, um, all of the rehab or all of the, you know, like Botox injections or a certain aid or a certain whatever it is, like rehab or whatever that could actually help them, you know, because yeah. it's not a clear cut road for, for everyone. And it takes no. time for you to also realize basically what your needs are in the long run. Because um, things also change from short term to long term and, you know, your, your needs change, maybe you change jobs or whatever it is. And therefore, you know, you will have to adapt to the new yeah. surroundings. Thank you so, so much, Jackie, for sharing your story with us. It's important that the community hears stories of brain injuries and perhaps can relate to you. And I think the most important one, uh, thing is as well, if you are listening to this and you have questions for Jackie, please let us know. We can pass on your questions um, either via email. The email is in the description of uh, the podcast or you can uh, reach us on Instagram or why not send in your voice message via the listening platform. Now we're going to go to Brooke's story. Um, Brooke, did you um, uh, discover us on Instagram? <clears throat> yeah, obviously. Okay, I suppose Brooke. if you've got a brain injury, you kind of... So I had my brain injury in 2007 and there was literally nothing in the media in anywhere about that Um you know that that was wow. that was the year the uh, the iPhone came out two thousand seven. Oh so my gosh! There was like yeah. there was literally literally nothing, and I'd just been at university and like the internet was just sort of picking up. But um, and I, I, so I'm always like on the lookout. So you know if if I see anything brain injury related, I'll, I'll always look for it. Like if I see a TV program come on the TV or anything mm-hmm. like that, and, and I just I just saw you and um, saw your podcast, and I just. It's something I'd like, I've, I've considered doing myself. Because yeah, I saw you give like lectures in university. Is that then your work that you just said about now that you're thinking with them or? So um, I work part time. One thing I've suffered with massively is fatigue. Yeah. And mm. um, I, it was just a case of, I mean, at, at the beginning, it was just awful. Like, you know, like. You couldn't watch even like an advert on the TV. I couldn't concentrate, and then I'd have to, um, mm. you know, walk to the shop and back would would require like an hour's sleep. And then um, it's 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 got progressively better and better. And one thing I've one thing that's helped me is exercise, and um, so I've continued to do that. And um, I've were you quite into exercising um, prior to your injury? Um, immediately prior to it, yeah, it was. A, there was a girl, I worked at a bar, I was a student and I worked at a bar in Manchester mm. and there was a girl called Lucy at the, this bar that I worked at and um, I fancied Lucy so 
I was trying to get her attention, so I started going weightlifting with one of the guys there. And, uh, oh, that's lovely. And I got bigger and bigger, and um, she she didn't pay me any, any attention, but I Aww. actually, um, it was actually that that made me, not necessarily save my life, but I had quite a, I mean, I was hit by a car at 50 miles an hour, so I would have had... Um, I was told by a doctor that it was my level of fitness at the time was, you know, um, a big part to play in my good recovery. Wow. So I've had it. Yeah, I've had a really good. Recovery. So for once, a boy doing a young boy doing something stupid to impress a girl has turned out all right. <laughs> that is very interesting to know. But sorry, I feel like I interrupted you. Continue. You were saying you, um, you know, there's, there's a few things that you did that kind of helped you through it, and you said exercising was one of them, right? So exercise was was something I was, um, well, I was into, you know, I was quite obsessed about before, for that reason I've just told you. Mm. You know, mm. it might have been, might not have been the right reason, but, it, it, you know, it worked. So, um, mm. and then what were you asking about? The, the university lectures. I mean, that's, first of all, it came from, because my fatigue was so bad, I didn't know, um, there was nothing, nothing I could do. Like, I was at the time when my, my friends were, um, my friends were all finishing university and starting, starting um, jobs starting and careers stuff. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, "There's no way I could go back to university because I, you know, I couldn't mm. concentrate for ten minutes." So I just thought, "What, what, mm. what is going to become of me?" And I just, it was not getting any better. And um, I just got sort of. I don't, I don't know if I ever. I don't want to play around with depression because I know it's very serious. I don't know if I ever, if I ever get seriously depressed. But I was certainly very, very down, and um, yeah, and um, I needed something to focus on, and I just it kind of it came from. Um, so my, I used to live with my sister in Manchester, and she had a mm. book on the bookshelf, and it was called "Do Something That Scares." So do something every day that scares you. I've never read it, but it mm. was quite a you know I think it's quite a popular book. So. Um, I um I just thought to myself I saw I saw an article in the newspaper and it was the top the top ten things that people are scared of. Okay. And it was like, <laughs> and it was like um, you know like spiders stuff like that. I'm not not worried about any animals, providing they don't bite me. Mm. But um, and um, well the number one was public speaking, <clears throat> and I thought yes I know that actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not somebody that's um, you know, massively confident. Like, I mean, there was one particular incident that for my GCSEs, for my exams in England, and when I was like 16, we had to do a presentation to the, to uh, my English class. It was a public, you know, it was a talk to my English class. It was only my friends at school. And um, I, I was just so nervous about this, you know, giving this 10-minute talk for like, for, for ages, um, for, for, for weeks before it. And I was doing it on on the new my holiday to New York, and at that time New York wasn't as popular, so it was a very interesting subject. So uh, I had something to talk about. I was still I was still petrified, and it, it was not something that I was ever confident with. But I don't know. Um, since I've had my brain injury, I've got I don't I don't, I don't seem to care as much about stuff. I'm a lot braver. Yeah, um, yeah, because. I, yeah, I, I, I think yes. that it maybe comes from, I, I mean, I, I've gone through that too. And I think it comes from, you know, something so bad happened that anything else cannot be as bad. That's well, at least how I feel. Yeah, I think it comes from like, maybe, you know, you get disinhibitions, don't you? And you, mm -hmm. you kind of, some people say that, you know, some people can say the most rude things and do the most horrendous things. But 
I um, I've not really done anything. Like that one thing that's I think the way it's manifested in me is I just I don't have any fear of like public speaking or anything like that. So I'll just I'll you know I'll go and happily speak in front of a crowd. Whereas before it would have petrified me. So um, and that is so interesting. So it's something that almost came naturally. Am I right by saying that that it came naturally to you after the injury that? you didn't have that fear anymore? Is it still like something that you had to practice? I think you have to practice in terms of knowing what to say. And like, obviously your brain's being affected. So I can't, I find I can't like think on my feet anymore. So I have to have, you know, it all planned out. I think it came from the fact that all my friends were doing, you know, doing something with their lives. And I just, it was like, what am I going, what am I going to do with my life? Um, I think as well, you, you when you go to um, when you go into hospital, um, people like come and see you, and you know you're kind of the center of attention, and then that only lasts for a little while, doesn't it? And then, yeah, um, yeah. and then, <laughs> and then um, you want to, I don't know, keep that going. Maybe, yeah, I think it could be an so... attention seeking thing. This whole thing could be an attention seeking thing. I don't know, but but it's I a think, great uh, thing that you are doing, and I yeah. think uh, I, if I am not wrong, I saw that you did quite a few lectures right at, um... I've done I've done loads yeah yeah um, that's really... so it started with so after I'd seen that magazine article about the public speaking I wanted to do this uh, there's a charity um in in England in the UK called Headway yeah 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 and, I know um, it mm-hmm. okay and there was like a local representative in my hometown of Scarborough called Mark and um I asked him if if I could give a speech um and it was just literally just telling my story. And um, there was about, I think about 40 people came. Hmm. And I mean, I just, I literally, I'd, wrote, I'd written, I had it all written down and I just put my head down and I read it. And, um, but that was the first thing I ever did. And then came uh, my auntie, um, she, she worked for the council, my auntie Linda, she worked for the council. Mm-hmm. And she um, set me up with these different, like, going to different schools and it was more like talking about, it was working with the fire department at the, at the time, I think. Oh. And they were, um, so I was, so I was going to um, different schools and talking to them. It's more from a, from a road safety perspective. So I was often working with the, um, the fire, the fire brigade and the emergency services. And, um, yeah, I've done a few, um, schools I've done. I mean, I've done so many, I've done it like RAF. Um, and I've done, and I wanted. That's brilliant. <laughs> I think it's very courageous as well, and it shows a lot of, um, I don't know, uh, bravery. Uh, yeah, and it's, perseverance. It's, it's, and, it's something yeah. that I think uh, a lot of people that have a brain injury are actually aspiring to. <clears throat> yeah. I think it kind of true. pushes you out of your comfort zone, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Also, um, Brooke, when you do these um, public speaking yeah. events, um, is it usually like what type of information do you give people um, or do, is it in, in the form of storytelling that you just tell them that your own story or is it that you leave them with guidelines or, you, you know, what, what's the type of information <laughs> you're, you're that me you, sound massive, you're you give You're making me sound massively organized, by the way, I'm not that organized. Um, <laughs> I just do it um, for me I guess the main one of the main things was it was because I, I, I was you know I was too tired to work I was not I hadn't done anything for ages and it's just it's 
it's a way of, I don't know if it's giving back, but it's, it's, it's a way of, you know, doing something with my life. You know, it's a reason to get up in the morning and mm-hmm. it's, um, and also I was thinking, yeah, yeah, that's, that's sort of, that comes as a sideline. Yeah. So I'll speak about, I've spoke about my brain injury, what happens to it and sort of education on brain injury. I've done, um, like about, I speak from my own, um, personal experience of you know being hit by a young driver hit and run and um you know in terms of you know driving better on the road and mm. taking, taking due care and ascension um and, yeah, and it's also teaching responsibility to you know to an yeah. extent as well right because being a driver on the road is not just a responsibility to yourself but to pedestrians and other people in their cars and it's also teaching responsibility you know to from another angle you know to the people or the audience that you're speaking towards especially if it's young individuals just before they get their license or in the years that they they will obtain their driver's absolutely yes so we do so i've done a few things i've moved to manchester and i used to go um i used to go across to a place called castlefield the castleford i think um, I used to speak at their mm-hmm. um, a college there to the students there, and after a while that came to an end. And I said to the, the fireman there, who organised it all, "Is there anything that I can, you know, have you got anything else I can I can do?" So he says he'll put me put me in touch with somebody called Leslie Allen at um, Manchester Royal uh, Manchester Fire Service, and Leslie organises something called Safe Drive Stay Alive. Now. Um, in in mm. York, now Scarborough, Yorkshire, a small town. That's where I'm from. Um, like the fire brigade would go out, go out to a college um, and speak there, and to each college. But whereas um, Manchester's so big and there's so many colleges, so and obviously the, the emergency services are needed. So everybody, um, all the students go there. It was a 500 seater arena called Middleton Arena, and um, so a show would go like this like uh, somebody from the fire brigade would come out um somebody from the ambulance and somebody from the hospital have a missed mm-hmm. one fire ambulance yeah and then they'd each tell a harrowing story from their career um that involved the the, the poor driving of a young um, of a young person and then would, then i would mm. come out and sp- i'd speak for 10 minutes and there's um I saw, I saw I'm speaking from their point of view like I was at a university at the time but you know kind of it could have been you and, yeah. um, and yes. then it finishes with a like a family member or a, you know a parent or a family member of somebody who's been either killed or seriously injured by the actions of a young driver and um, that's how it finishes and it's it's called Safe Drive, Stay Alive, and it's 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 really quite a powerful thing. So, um, you know, I mean, you get all sorts of tears afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah, it's something I'm really proud to be involved in. It was um, 500, so we used to do it over two weeks. And um, there's five, so there'd be two performances a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And it would be so a thousand, it would thousand students a day. But obviously, the you know, the emergency services have to have time off work, and it takes a lot of organising. So um, I went. Um, so the next the next year, they were due to do it at a place called um, well Stockport Plaza, but the place uh, that has one thousand three hundred seats, and so we're going to be, be speaking to thirteen hundred. So you know, it's done in, done in less time because the emergency services have to have less time off. But 
Sure, that's amazing. Um, but Brooke, now in the last, um, I mean, it's now, you said 2007, so it's it's 13 yep. years, right? Is your, um, you spoke about your mom earlier, is, is she and your family quite, you know, a big part of your support system? Or do you feel like you almost don't need a support system all that much anymore? Or like what advice would you have around support systems, you know, and how that should function because you definitely yeah. know much more than us. We're only three not years even, in. Less. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would never say not. I don't know. I suppose a, a, a great support system is brilliant, and that's that's particularly um, particularly at the start. Um, and I think, but then I, I suppose what people can do is people can come, you know, become too reliant on them, and. Um, you know, mm. you, you, you're reluctant to get out of that safety zone, aren't you? And, to, and um, you know, step out, step out of your comfort zone. But um, I've been, yeah. I've been extremely lucky in that I've, I've got a really fantastic family. So they've, um, yeah, they've been with me. I mean, I, I live in Manchester now. My parents live um, in Scarborough. It's like a hundred miles away, but I, I still speak to them every day. Um, so the support's yeah. still there. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Did, did they? Did they know how to support you? I mean, it's actually quite, you know, um, it was quite helpful in the beginning when you also just mentioned the simple facts of, you know, the iPhone yeah. only just came out. And I mean, we definitely had our injury in a different um, day and age, although it's not that many years apart, but just the amount of information yeah. that people can get is just, I suppose, easier these days. Did they know... Or did they understand what you were going through? Not just the accident, but actually the the bigger theme of the brain injury after your accident. Did they understand it and know how to support you? Um, yeah. I want to say, yeah. I suppose it was you, a big yes. learning. You know, we we all kind of learned together. It was like we'd heard of. I was told I had this thing called a brain injury, but we we had literally there was literally nothing. Um, so. I went mm. from Manchester where I had the accident and then I went back to, so I was in the hospital for about six months oh, wow. just just short and then I went back I went back to live with my parents in Scarborough which was um, which was you know it was a bit of a strange thing I mean I, I, I travel around the world when I was 21 and then I got back after nine months and then we went out on uh, Friday night and like everybody was you know nothing had changed so I kind of, <laughs> I wanted to get out of there. And so I wanted to do something, you know, after you've seen like different parts of the world, like uh, Sydney, Singapore, uh, yes. Las Vegas, uh, Toronto, you know, New York. We, um, yeah, you you're, to, you're, yeah. So I wanted to kind of, eyes are open. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went, I went to, um, I went to, um, I went to Manchester where my sister lived and she said, why, you know, why don't you come here and start university? So I did that. And, um, I went there and, um, so I'd done, it was a foundation year that on my degree. And then it was the start of the first year. So then what happened was after six months at my parents, my sister said to me, why don't you come and live with me for a little bit? So then I, I came, went to live at my sister's house. Um, and then, after so after a year or maybe a little bit more um i thought i was you know i could jump back into my old life so i moved back in with my friends i thought i was fine but obviously without my parents without 
the support network there. I was totally on my own. Um, and how many years after your injury so I was think back? It was, I think I moved back for six months and then six months. But that's a year, but I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, roundabout, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's less than yeah. two years at least, we know. All right. Okay. Sorry, yes, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry, then you moved... Um, to your friends yeah. trying to live like, yeah. almost well, a normal it was, it was life, if you can call it that. Still, and they were, um, no, it wasn't a student house, but there was, it was a shared house. And some worked at a bar. And um, yes. so they were coming in at like, you know, late at night and stuff. And um, I was turning into my parent, you know, because I kept, I, I had like, <laughs> I had the one room where I could kept, you know, one thing you can control was the kitchen. And that was mine. So I kept it tidy, as tidy as I can. And they were they were coming in on you know after, after work at like three o'clock in the morning with chicken and chips and stuff, and they were leaving the leaving the wrap wrappers on the side, and I was like, "Can't you just put it in the bin? It's there." And um, yeah, I so think I got... these are definitely things that we can relate to, uh, and I think <laughs> a lot of people with brain injury can because it you just feel like everything has to be in its place, right? And... Yeah. Yeah. And that's like when whenever mm. something's disorganized, I, I feel like I get, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, that, I suppose that's like that's just, that kept that became my safe zone and um, was, you know, the kitchen. That was my little thing that I could I could have control over and keep tidy. And I did all these things. I mean, I started a an A level in psychology just for something to do on night school. And um, wow. I had, yeah, I don't say well because it, it went disastrously badly. So um, I... Um, At least like, you tried it, you know? Yeah, I tried. Mm. I've been quite brave in, in what I've done. Yeah. And um, and anyway, I ended up getting quite... Uh, well, somebody, an expert, he came in, he, he diagnosed me as clinically depressed. Whether, as I said whether that was true or not, I don't know, but I certainly was very down. And... Um, I moved back to my hometown of Scarborough, mm. and so the idea was that I got my own flat, mm. and um, it was actually I was going to probably move back in with my mum and dad because I was in quite a state. But uh, my friend Tamla said, "Why don't she, why doesn't he move back into his uh, mum and dad's? Uh, sorry, move into his a flat on his own." So I thought that was a good idea. So um, I I just lived there for I think it was about three years, and then I moved to a different flat. I was just, I was just, my, my goal was always to get back to, um, to get back to Manchester, but I, um, I, I just didn't, you know, I, I suppose what I had to do was I had to prove that I could live, you mm. know, run a flat on my own. I just couldn't do it. And, um, so in the end, I just sort of, um, got in a bit of a mood and said that I want to go. So I, I just came. It's amazing to listen to you and still see, your positive well, outlook on life and and real, realizing well that's that one thing i've learned right? well, i guess i was always quite a positive person anyway but you know there's this little point in complaining i think so i used to go to this this um there's a charity called basic in salford in manchester and um it's it's an is it acronym where you have all the um, so it's brain and spinal injury center so um there they have um this of memory class, oh, yeah. and a lady called Mary Todd, Dr. Mary Todd, she taught us some brilliant stuff. And uh, one, of, one of the things that I remembered was um, mm. never has a, um, a problem been made any better by complaining about it. So I just, mm, yeah, I just tried true. to be, I just find it's, it's 
better to live your life. You know, if you if you um if you if you you know if you're depressed, you kind of you train your brain to always look to the you know the bad side of things. But if you try and see the positive side of things, it's just a generally a better way to live. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, that's something I actively try and do. That's true, and yeah. then you can start making changes. Like I'm also generally quite a negative person, unfortunately. So right now I'm right. trying to make these changes, and it does take time. But I can notice, you know small differences and i hope that yeah. as time goes along i'll move from the negative scale to the positive one <laughs> hopefully yeah i mean i, I know it's you know it's, it's it's a lot easier said than done but wow thank you everyone for listening in today we had two fantastic stories um brooke and jackie both of them have been having life-changing experiences and they have learned so much during this period. They, they shared with you their experience, they shared with you their struggles, their path. And we are waiting for your questions. If you do have them, please, please reach out to us via Instagram or email or send in a voice uh, message. Uh, we hope to hear from you soon and stay tuned for the next uh, episodes. Bye-bye.